0: A friend of mine asked me, shilo a while ago that I thought was very, very interesting. And uh, I wanted to share it with you. So um, he said that he was uh, he, he was sitting in a base madrush. A good friend of mine, Rabbi Yoni Levin, a very, very big Tamil Chacham. guy finishes shas probably, I think, like every 11 months or so, or 10 months. I don't know. does like 8 in a day. I don't know how he has time to do it, but pretty impressive fellow. Anyway, he was sitting in a base madrush, because that's what he does. He sits in a batim and learns. And uh, in in a yeshiva, not in this yeshiva, and a guy walks by, walking out of the base medrash, and uh, he notices as the guy walks by, a pack of cigarettes falls out of the guy's pocket. And the guy didn't realize. The guy dropped the pack of cigarettes. He didn't realize, and he kept on walking. So now he's faced with this predicament. There's a pack of cigarettes on the floor. There's a guy he sees who dropped it. He knows exactly who it belonged to. So he's got three options. Option number one is do a The guy lost his pack of cigarettes, pick up the cigarettes and return it in. Option number two is pretend you didn't see anything. Just let it be. And option number three is take the cigarettes, destroy them, and uh, you know, maybe give the guy a good mushish moose too, but uh, but certainly to destroy the cigarettes and not to be Meshava Veda. So it's it's obviously not just a shila about cigarettes, meaning it's a, it's a shaila about the 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 limits. Of when you have something that you know is going to damage somebody, or something that's definitely us, or something of that nature, is there a mitzvah of Hashavasaveda? And, you know, if, if you were to ask this to a group of people who are not B'nai Torah, let's say, um, and people whose sensibilities are purely educated by Western sensibilities, so our Western sensibilities tell us that, you know, we have a philosophy of live and let live, mind your own business, uh, do what. Uh, um, as as Rav Weiss, I heard recently in the Sheer said, you know, be be like an, like like people say an ostrich is, you know, by sticking your head in the sand. He said, although ostriches get very afraid of sticking their heads in the sand, and they actually don't do that. Rav is very into nature, so he likes to. I was I once went to visit him. And I, I was about to start talking. He said, wait, 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 and I noticed he was on his iPad watching a nature video. It was like very interesting. So he's already into like that kind of thing. So, uh, so anyway, as people say, ostriches are. So should you stick your head in the sand? So that's what a lot of people will say. They just stick your head in the sand, pretend, uh, you know, l- l- let someone else do. His How paternalistic do we have to be? Obviously, the guy's a smoker. Okay, so he's got his issues. So let, let him deal with those issues. Why are those issues your issues? You shouldn't get involved. You have mitzvah shavus aveda, to In general, that question of how paternalistic we should be um, is, you know, the Torah clearly has a different, um, you know, a different take on that than, than our natural Western sensibilities. The Torah has a mitzvah of that if you see someone doing something religiously wrong, someone, it's not a benadam l'chavero, he's doing something benadam l'makum wrong, you're supposed to try to correct his behavior. You're supposed to try to... Now, it's not an easy mitzvah to do, and it's not a mitzvah that um, that even people know how to do almost at all nowadays, but there is this, sensi- this sensitivity that we have that it's hurtful for us to see other people doing averos, and we should try to do something to stop them from doing averos. I just have a Shaila... Came up this week. I, I'm not ready to talk about it yet, talk about the answer, but I thought the shadow was interesting also relating to just how much we have to be on top of other people and how much you just let other people just do their thing. A guy came to my house um, two nights ago. Uh, he was uh, a, a non religious neighbor of mine. His name is Steve. This this fellow is not religious at all, never was religious, uh, but he has his, his neighbors, across street neighbors, next door neighbors are all guys that have in my shul. So they, you know, they're very friendly to him, and they invite him in for kiddish and they, you know, they're... they're, they're it's, he happens to... He lucked out. You know, very friendly guys that happen to live near him. Not everyone is so friendly, but, you know, very friendly guys that happen to live right near him, and they always invite him and they schmooze with him. So when my shul, a number of years ago, moved out of my house and into a building, now we're, thank God, moving on to the next level, hopefully soon, but they moved into a building, we needed an Noron Kodesh, and this guy's a furniture maker, so he decided the guys are so nice in this shul that he's going to build us an Noron Kodesh for free, and he built us an Noron Kodesh, a beautiful Noron Kodesh for free, very nice fellow, so he comes, I hadn't spoken to him in a couple years really, but he comes to my house, and he's like sobbing, and he's bawling, and he's, uh, uh, Rabbi, I'm so shaken up, I don't know what to do, uh, so what happened, Steve, what's the matter? my my mother in law passed away, and I was like so impressed you know but most people, i mean <laughs> <laughs> his mother in law i mean you was know, sad but he was like really you know he was really really affected he was very very close with his mother in law she worked for him for twenty years his mother in law was eighty five years old succumbed to a seven year battle of cancer, and you know you know things like that happened, and he was just like it was like it was he was so shaken up and he started telling me i you know we're, she didn't have any friends left she lived in florida we're bringing the body back to new york we're, we're going to do a graveside service um I I, I I i knew that you wouldn't do the service unless we do we do it right so i um so i, I spoke to the funeral home and they're doing uh the whole bath thing and the uh dressing and the you know the different kinds of thing that you do and you know the wooden box. you know we're doing everything like that so can you do the service we're going to do a small graveside service um and i said yeah you mind if i bring some boys we'll make a minion to make sure that uh you know there'll be a minion there yeah sure no problem he said i just it's very important for me to be there and for me to you know to, to pay respects to my mother and i want to do it right and i want to speak and say a few words right so uh i said sure no problem Especially if I don't do it, you know, who's going to do it? So I said, sure, no problem. And then the next day it occurs to me uh, Steve's last name is Cohen. C O H E N. Um, and they're doing a graveside service. And it's not his mother, it's his mother in law. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> now what do I do? Um, so th- it, it touches on this question just how paternalistic do you want to be? Meaning, do you say, if I were to tell him, Steve it's great I'm happy to do it you can't come to the funeral he'd be like Rabbi you're a nice guy but uh, I'm going to find someone else who will not be so crazy and will allow me to come to the funeral you know that's yeah I know more people named Kohen who are not... Ah, before. so, okay. So, w- when we do have a shear on this Shaila, we'll <laughs> talk about that, about all the different sveikos, cones who are not Kohanim, and if there's a chance that maybe somewhere there's halalus in there, 200 generations, maybe someone, well, you know, uh, was Nivala pasula. Or someone was a grusha, or something like that. So uh, there's a very good, very good chance that there's uh, that there's halal's in there. Especially for the last couple of generations, as the moral decay of society, uh, you know, spiraled out of control. They weren't religious, so they weren't even in a religious context. So there's a very good, okay, whatever the the, the issues were, I'll tell you this. I, I asked Rabbi Tversky yesterday. Rav Meir. Tursky, I was going to ask Rabbi Shachty yesterday, but he, was, he wasn't feeling well, so he wasn't he wasn't in yeshiva. I went to YU yesterday. He wasn't in yeshiva, so I couldn't. Uh, couldn't ask him. So I asked Rav Tversky and uh, Rav Tversky thought for like four minutes like he tends to do um, in silence. And then he said um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like what should I do? He said I don't know. <laughs> so that, that didn't like, help. So anyway, um, but, but going back to our shaila, Hashavah Samed on the cigarettes. What are you timing? What should the guy do? Rabbi Levin is sitting there, big Tzadik, big Tzadik, wants to do the right thing. Should he pick up the cigarettes, return them, ignore that they were there, or destroy them? What, what, what's, what's your vote? You're going under the assumption that smoking cigarettes is usir. Us, oh, okay. So the first thing, okay, so you're, the better question than what's your vote is, what are the issues? So the first issue is, is smoking cigarettes us? So so can we make that assumption? Okay, what other issue do we have to deal with? Will he actually smoke less cigarettes if he doesn't have that? Uh, are you really helping anything by throwing out those cigarettes? Or is he going to be so angry he's going to need to smoke an extra few cigarettes to calm himself down because he can't find the cigarettes that he just lost? So are you really, are you really costing less cigarettes or are you just giving big tobacco more money, right? So, so what, what exactly are you really accomplishing? What else? Rather halachic uh, or hashkafic issues do we have to deal with? Well, obviously there is a mitzvah of hashavas We have to figure what are the limitations of Hashava aveidah. Is there some sort of way that you can balance Hashava aveidah with the fact that you are dealing with something usher? So, j- just to, to touch on the the briefly on the on the is cigarette smoking usher issue, um, it, it, the reason I, I want to say briefly. Um, it's, it seems like a silly question to ask. Is cigarette smoking also, Of course it's asir to smoke cigarettes. It seems uh, every post uh, today I think, I don't know if anyone that still holds that it's mutter to smoke cigarettes Rav Maisha had a chuva that really set us back a lot in terms of the progress of recognizing that smoking is asir because Rav Maisha didn't recognize the full dangers at the time and it's not just me saying that. Rav David Feinstein published a couple of years ago that if my father was aware of everything that we know nowadays then there's no way he would have said that uh, Shomer Pesaim Hashem, as was even for the time that it was written in, Shomer Pesaim Hashem is a very difficult application of Shomer Pesaim Hashem for Rav Meishe to use. And even if you look at Rav Moshe's carefully, he had a couple of chuvahs on the topic, and it wasn't. Uh, and he, he started to uh, to to budge a little bit on the uh, on the issue. In or Dechel in Memtes in 1964, he says there's a chashash that you might get sick. But Shomer Pseim Hashem, so it doesn't think it's so terrible. And then in Yerdea, Chilig Dalit, some Gimel Oslam, he says that marijuana is asr, you know, for many reasons, and a lot of those reasons apply to smoking. Um, and he says, "Keep it off aim torah okay a lot, of, you know, a lot of things that you can say about a lot of behaviors that uh, your parents probably don 't approve and it 's Bitel um, torah. so he says that about smoking marijuana, which is a whole other topic, a very contemporary uh, topic. people talking about the o u giving on marijuana, whatever different topic and then almost twenty years later, Ramesh has a in one thousand nine hundred and eighty one and that chuva was written to Dr. Rosner. And he said, I still can't say that it's mamish that asr, because it's only a small percentage of people that smoke who actually get sick. But he starts getting more serious than he was in 1964. And he says, everybody, especially B'nai Torah, shouldn't smoke. It's a chashash sakana. The, the whole tone of the chuva is a very different tone than he had in 1964. So it's not so crazy to suggest that Rav Moesha's thinking on the issue of smoking was already, you know, was, was, was a work in progress. And that had he lived another 20 years and seen all the research, you know, that suggests that every cigarette takes five minutes off of your life. And that, you know, these kinds of stunning research that we have that uh, just how terrible it is and how it's bad, it's not just uh, lung cancer and heart disease. It's pretty much every disease in the world Becomes much worse because of it, so it's it's not so crazy to imagine that Rav Moshe would hold that it's uh, that 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 it's aser. Um, but even if uh, you don't want to, you know, be mother, Rav Moshe would hold that it's aser. Everyone else holds that it's aser. Rav Waldenberg has a shuvah and says, "Aliyzer, chelik tazvav, simula matas." Rav Chaim David Alevi, and the shuvah says, Kharav say you can't say shomer p'sam hashem." When there's such grave danger, it's uh, it's it's obviously very very terribly dangerous, and all uh, well, the uh, the contemporary Um you know, I asked Rav Shachter about it many years ago. He said, "You're asking me if it's mutter to commit suicide? It's also to commit suicide." Um, so I said, "Yeah, but you know, I'm not talking about suicide. I'm talking about smoking a cigarette." So he said, "It's also to commit slow suicide." <laughs> you know, so so, so, so all, that's also asher to do. Uh, he he always comments. Rav Shachter always comments how it's humorous that there are, that's the word he uses, he means um, absurd, ridiculous, uh, that, uh, that there are people that are very, very makhid, that they would never, ever, chas use the same fork for fish and meat, because that's sakana. They can't use uh, fish and meat, you can't have fish and meat together because it's sakana, yet they they eat so unhealthy, they'll eat, you know, the the kind of diet that they have is only fatty foods, and they'll be 50 pounds overweight, and they'll smoke, and they'll drink, and they'll, you know, he says that, where's the, that's more, that's not just the chashash sakana, that's a pretty known sakana. He thought it's ridiculous that uh, with the meat and the fish, there's a makhlok asaposken, whether there's anything to be concerned about nowadays. Rav happens to think not. He thinks that nowadays nothing really to be concerned about because we don't know of any medical problem. Okay, but min of were we to, to separate meat and fish. But we should be more Makbid to be healthy in every other way, to eat properly and to, uh, to take care of our bodies, to exercise, to do to do what we need to do in order to stay healthy. But it's not just uh, Rav Shachter, and it's not just Rav Moshe, Rav, Rav, uh, Rav Shurmbach in Tshuva Van Hagel says a tshuva about smoking on Yantiv, and he discusses a little bit, and then at the end of the tshuva, he writes that uh, there was a well-known gadol of a previous generation who smoked his whole life, and he was uh, predictably dying of lung cancer, and he realized, he called his Talmudim to, uh, to his deathbed, and he said, I want to tell you that i i know that this is my fault it's happening to me because i had no self-control and i was, smoked my whole life and that's why i'm dying and i'm afraid that throughout my life people looked at me and they saw me smoking and they thought that they that it's going to be mutter because they see me doing it so maybe you'll be at salaporta for my neshama if i make a, a public statement now that i'm being this right now that i did this and that you should tell everyone that look what happens. You look 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 what the winner's circle looks like if you, uh, if you spend your life smoking. And that everyone should be very careful not to do this, not to fall into this terrible habit. So uh, Chaval, you know, such a person that he has to have such, such regrets and that he took so much time off his life. He doesn't identify who the Gadol was. Maybe it would have been a more impactful tshuva if uh, Sturmbach would have identified who the Gadol was. But we know we know of Gedolim who died of lung cancer who uh, smoked their whole lives. So uh, and, and Rav Vazner and Shevet Alevi, Chalik Yutsim and Reish Sadihei says that uh, quotes based on the Rama. Ingesting dangerous things is aser, and uh, also not only that it's aser to be mazik other people. So secondhand smoke is also a terrible lissor to be mazik other people. So Rav Fraym Greenblatt and Rav Osafraym Rav Adi Yosef and Yechave all the poskim uh, say that it's absolutely forbidden to smoke. So I don't I don't know. What the, what the possible heter would be I don't know why anyone would say meaning as uh, my friend Rabbi Isaac Rice once said he said it's like uh, discussing in the year 2016 whether it's mutter to smoke is like discussing whether it's mutter to play on uh, live electric wires like uh, you know wh- wh- what do you mean it's, uh, it's a kind of discussion it's ridiculous. It doesn't it? Doesn't, doesn't seem too much of a discussion? So yes. So let's work with that assumption that smoking is usher to do. That it's an isa to smoke. I think it's a fair assumption to work with. It's unclear to me why in many segments of Orthodox Judaism, this uh, people have not yet realized this. We had uh, an issue in. Um, we used to take boys on a trip in DRS. We used to take a, an eleventh grade trip um, to different yeshivas to see how different people live. So, like, they get to see different types of Judaism. Like, they go uh, to Y.U., they've never seen Martin Orthodox people before, and it was very, very interesting. And then we'd go to uh, to Lakewood, and we go to Neri Yisrael. So they get to see all these different uh, different types of people. So when we were in uh, one of the yeshivas, um, every year the boys asked the same question. How come those guys don't know that it's also who to smoke? Because the whole you know, the whole outside of the base medish area is, you know, full of smokers. And like, it got to a point where we couldn't bring boys there because it's like, you know, they're learning all day. But the, how, do they, how do they not know? So, well, you know, it's only a small percentage. There are so many people in the yeshiva, whatever. You can't touch can't it up anymore. You can't, you can't give terutsim. I don't know what the what the are. Yeah, so let's assume that it's uh, that it's to the smoke. So if someone has a davar do you have a chiv to return it to them? So m- my thought immediately was uh, was to think of the Gemara Brachas Tavchav. The Gemara Brachas Tavchav tells us, it doesn't talk about a Shavzaveda, but I think it's Kalvachomer. The Gemara Brachas Tavchav tells us a story. It tells us Rav Adi LaHi Kutis, Tav karbalta He saw a Kutis a Kuti woman wearing a <coughs> a uh, non sanua uh, clothing in the market. Now non sanua clothing in in Bavel. Um, thousands of years ago, was different than non-senua clothing in America in 2016. What they meant by non-senua then was not that it didn't cover parts of the body. Their clothing always covered their whole body because in a very hot climate, the only way to stay cool really is to protect yourself from the sun and to wear light light clothing that covers your body. This, uh, the, when, when you get a layer of sweat on you, that uh, the sun shouldn't immediately dry it off. The breeze should cool you off. It's uh, yadua. For some reason, in America people don't realize this, but that's uh, it's yadua. That's the way to stay cool. That's why in in hot climates, always people wore you know full sleeves and long dress and everything, just light material. So she, but that's how non snow clothing didn't mean she was walking around wearing uh, whatever a miniskirt or something. No, non snow clothing meant she was wearing something that was very flashy, something that was very attention grabbing. So it was like uh, bright color or something of that nature. That's what drew the... You know, that, that's what he saw. That she was wearing this clothing. Sover de Bas Yisrael. He thought that she was a Jew. So what did he do? Come, carry me now. So he got up and he tore the clothing right off of her. Now Obviously she must have been wearing something else underneath. Otherwise he didn't, you know, solve the problem. So he tore, he tore the clothing uh, right off of her. So igloi milsa de Kutesi. Then whoops, turns out she wasn't Jewish. She was a uh, kutas. So, uh, they said, you know, that was the latest style, of that clothing was four hundred zuz. I just bought that at Macy's, you have no idea what that cost. So uh Amrullah, Mashimcha. So he said to her, you know, try to make, make it better so he makes a conversation. He says, What's your name? So Amralay Masun. She says, My name is Masun. So Amrullah, Masun Masun Shavia. Oh Masun is similar to Masayim to two hundred. Masun Masun, two hundred plus two hundred, you cost me four hundred zuz, because now I gotta pay you for the four hundred zuz. Okay, whatever. That's the story. So what do you see from that story? What did he do? When he thought she was a Bas Israel and she was wearing this forbidden clothing, he ripped it right right off her. I, he destroyed the clothing. It's not his, it's hers. How's he allowed to do that? He's Apparently, when someone is doing a Dabar Asr, has a Dabar Asr, you're allowed to destroy it. that you don't have any... And if you're allowed to destroy it, you would have no chiv shava If she lost it, you wouldn't have to return it. Because this is something that's forbidden, so the it seems like a pretty, it's it, he only had to pay for it because it was uh, because it turned out that she was a kutis. that she wasn't a basisim. if somebody is holding a pack of cigarettes, you grab it right out of his hand. Ah, oh, so it's if you of take c- this to the logical point. conclusion, that's you'd right have point. to go around like a vigilante, and <laughs> anytime someone's holding a pack of cigarettes, you, you jump on him and you, you grab you know you, you grab the cigarettes out of his hand. So that that the the, the difference might be. That in that case, you're, you're ultimately not going to achieve your goal. Whereas over here, it was Abbas Yisrael, and he was a, he was a respected rabbi. He can uh, maybe teach her a lesson that this is not the, not the way Abbas Yisrael acts. But you're ultimately not going to achieve anything by, uh, by, by acting like that. But in, in this case where Rabbi Levin was sitting in the base of medrash, a guy dropped a pack of cigarettes he didn't know. So it, he's not going to react negatively. He's not going to react at all. He doesn't he doesn't even know. But I You know, there's. I was just reading shuvahs from Ravelsky for obvious reasons. Um, I was. Uh, it's very fascinating. Ravelsky was a very very uh, unique Talmud Chacha. I don't know if anyone spoke about him in yeshiva. Someone speak about him in yeshiva. Very unique Talmud. Chacha. very unique poskim. You know, there are certain poskim that when you would ask them a shaila they'd answer exactly what you asked them. Whether what you asked is what you meant to ask or not, they would answer the words that you asked. You know, I give a mashal, even though the Vluchnesin wasn't this way, which is the mashal of this kind of response. Someone asked the why don't you have a beard? So Vluchnesin said, because I shave every day. So like, needing, <laughs> he, he's answering the question that you asked him. But you know, there are certain poskim that work like that. When they, you'd ask a, a question, whether you meant to ask that question or not, they would answer exactly what you asked them. Then there's certain postkin that will try to figure out if you mean more than that. And they'll say, you know, it, this touches on things that I'm not really that familiar with. I don't really know the science. I don't really know the math. I don't know whatever area of knowledge it required. Rav Belsky, if you asked him a Shaila, he studied the issue Ad hasof, meaning if the Shaila had something to do with, uh, with astronomy, he would, he would study that area of astronomy to, you know, to, to the point where he was the world's greatest expert on it. And then he would deal with the Shiloh. If you ask him something about anatomy, he would study anatomy till, you know, till he was the world's greatest expert. And it turned out, that, you know, after studying all these things, someone who went to Taravadas told me yesterday that they remember seeing him come out of the bathroom with giant textbooks. That he would but it, it turns out he became a great expert in mathematics and in science and anatomy and in so many different areas that, uh, that because that was his... Not because he believed in Torah, mother, or whatever, but that, that, that was... If he felt that that was knowledge that was needed to deal with the shilas, he would go of So anyway, so he has an interesting shilas. I was looking through his shuvas. Most of his shuvas and kashvahs are unbelievable because uh, there was a, there's a lot of science that, that he had to really study to, to know that. And his Bikiyas in Yeridea was also mind-boggling. I remember we were talking to Rav shachter once about uh, gel caps, actually with Rabbi Yoni Levin. Rabbi Yoni Levin was asking Rav shachter about uh, gel caps whether they're mutter or not Roshach said I hold that they're mutter that uh, you don't have to worry about them it's not royal lachila at all um, but Rabbi Belsky when the Shaila came up in the OU said that you know, they all become very edible if you just uh, if you rub them in water they dissolve very easily in warm water and it's very edible it adds a sweet flavor to the water so Rabbi Belsky holds that that, make, that that means it is royal lachila, and therefore that you, you cannot have a gel cap but Rav Shek says, I don't think so. I think it's not called Rai Lachila. How many people know that you can dissolve it in water and that it tastes better when you do that? I don't think it's Ray Lachila. So he said, oh, okay, so you can have gel caps. He said, no, Rav Belsky says it's usir. Rav Belsky knows your day backwards and forwards. How could you just dismiss Rav Belsky like that? It was so fascinating to me. Like, here's the greatest Bucky I know, and he's telling me, like, how could you listen to my Pesat? Rav Belsky disagrees, like... Uh, Which is so strange because, like, they always disagree. They disagree about about, about the ask all you things they used to have before Pesach. So, the answer they had Rebelsi and Roshachtha sitting on a panel, and people would call in or email in Shailas. And depending who the Shadow went to, they were going to get a different answer. And the other one would sit there smiling, you know, <laughs> nodding the whole time. And I knew as Shiloh was sitting there smiling, nodding the whole time, he doesn't agree with a single word that Ravelsky said. So know, they disagreed about a lot of things, but that, that was his reaction at the time. But why, why am I bringing all this up? Because in one of his shivahs, Ravelsky discusses, what if you hold that something's asr, but someone else holds that it's mutter? Like opening a bottle in Shabbos. You hold it's asr to open a plastic bottle, someone else holds it's mutter. So can you ask the guy that holds it's mutter to do it for you? And when I was in Kerem um, there we had have Haverim, they, they used to have Shalvim, Kerem and Gush would get together three times a year. All the Chutznikim would get together for a Shabbaton. One time in Shalvim, one time in Kerem one time in Gush, right? remember this? I, you might have even stayed in that Shabbos. No way, no way. So, uh, <laughs> so they, we used to get together uh, three times a year. And the uh, Ravar and Ravar Luch-Sin and Gush held that you weren't allowed to open up the, um, the yogurts, I think it was, at Shalashudas, they served yogurt. And the uh, Posek in Karen B'avna held that you were allowed to open them up, which is, to me, mind boggling that he held that anything was mutter. I don't remember him holding anything was mutter. But apparently he held that you were, you were allowed to hold them up. So the Gush guys wanted to use the Karen B'avna guys as the Shabbos guys, you know, that they would give us the yogurts to open up for them. So you're allowed to do that. So Rebelski has a troupe about this very topic. And he says, one of the, he says absolutely not. He has four reasons why not. One of the reasons he says not is that if you hold it's usr, then it's naive to have someone else do it. If you mamish hold the tasser, how could you let someone else do it? So he says, but that doesn't mean that if you see people paschaming like their rabbi and doing what they hold as mutter, that you have to yell at them. You, know, you should make a machah. So it's like this balance, you know, like you would think, you know, if you really hold, if you really hold the tzaser and you have a responsibility to stop him from doing the tzaser, why not jump on him and grab the cigarettes out of his hand? Yeah, but at the same time, you know, there's there's like a certain sense of you know let let people live to to some extent, but uh, but but over here you're dealing with it's it's on the floor it's HaShavah aveidah so do you maybe not do the hashavas aveidah so let's discuss a little bit about that uh, that issue the HaShavah aveidah issue when you're dealing with uh, with the davar Asr. so first of all are you allowed to damage forbidden property you know the gemara brachos sounds like it. it sounds like you're allowed to you're allowed to damage forbidden property um, in fact. I was uh, gratified to learn that Rav of Chaim Zunfeld uh, in his tshuvas brings that gemara and he, uh, and he uses that as a raya. That if you see somebody with a tevar you're uh, allowed to ignore the dinah mammonish shabot and you're allowed to go ahead and absolutely destroy it. And there are many applications of this. You know, in camps, let's say... They they would catch a kid with uh, contraband, something that he's not allowed to have. With uh, used to be when I was younger, you know, with a magazine that he wasn't allowed to have. When I was in the former camps, when I was younger, they would uh, with Archie comics. You know, they would uh, would, so so it's uh, uh, sort of pretzel. You ever see the way Betty and Veronica dress? So they would uh, they would take take away the uh, the Archie comics, and and so if if it's a Dover davros to have an Archie comic, so they allowed to take. You know, kids would always say, "My parents spent money on that. That's my money. How dare you damage my property?" So someone told me that this is Mashkiach Narchaim, Robert Finkelman. In where was he in Dor Golding all those years? Mm-hmm. So that, that when he would catch kids with things, he would he would confiscate it and reimburse them. That they should never feel that, they, uh, that 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 we don't care about their property, we don't care about their money. you should realize I just it hurts me that you're doing Dvar So he would catch it, he, but that, that was my uh, sedtikus that he would do. But, uh, but many of the postkims say, uh, the chazni- Daruch Sichel quotes from the Chaznish, that if you see somebody reading Api courses, so you can confiscate it and destroy it, and you're saving the person, you're not, you're not harming the person. And there are many other chuvas like this. And the chuvah Shraga Meir, he has, uh, as Isaac Christ pointed out to me that Mashkiach uh, and Chachme Lublin said that if you see somebody lose, lost a razor, it used to be a problem in Europe, that it was a very commonly violated isid, that people would shave with a razor. Some Seifer has chuvas about this topic. You know, when the uh, some Sefer talks about uh, shaving, what's he talking about? It, when he talks about shaving, no, when he talks about, it, I think, shaving during, was it during Svira? No, during Chalamoid. it's true about shaving during Chalamoid. talks about why he thinks it's mutter to shave during Chalamoid for a person who shaves all the time, and he says, I have some sort of hidden reason. And he doesn't say what the hidden reason is. And the Chassam Sofer says, I'm going to go tell you what the secret is. Why the Net�ah was so makeable about shaving during Chalamoid. Because in the times of the Yehuda, people were shaving with razors left and right. Everyone would shave with a razor. And uh, he goes through the suga where he shows that it's only Nisudar to shave with a razor if you have substantial enough growth that there's actually hair there that you're destroying. That there's Hashchasa. Or if a person shaves every day, maybe it's only Nisudar so in the in the, in the thought, if we let people grow it out through chalamoid, then they're all going to violate. And this is the araisa after That's Some it sort writes of in the Chuvah. So This was a fairly commonly violated issue. The people who shave with uh, with the razor. So what happens if you find somebody's razor? Do you have to return their razor to them. So no, it's a davar asr, So you can grab it from them. You don't have to. You don't have to return it from them. And other dis, other cases. There are always cases of, uh, you know, bali Tshuva who are very um, excited and uh, they uh, destroyed their parents' television. Is in their Belz Shul Yeshiva. They told them that uh, television is us. And they went and they did the only logical thing and they destroyed their parents' television to save their parents from the isthmus So, uh, you know, obviously when you're dealing with something like that, you have to always question uh, where the you know, people sometimes have have a good short game, but not a very good long game. You know, you have, to, you have to take into account where are you heading with this. You know, is is this going to cause your parents to embrace Yiddishkeit? Is this uh, really the way that they're going to really support you in all your life decisions now and make it easier for you to be a bentore and maybe want to become a bentore when they see that you're an insane person who goes destroying things? But anyways, he says, in one of the Chubas from says, yeah, yeah, badai, mutter, it's okay. But, okay so so they, they deal with these kinds of shaylas, but, you know, but, but putting everything else aside, we see someone's going to travel, someone's going to travel, is going to go on a plane on Shabbos, and you have their plane ticket, can you rip up their plane ticket? So Shraga Meir has all these chubas about these kinds of things. They have a davar or you're, you're allowed to do it. But what if you won't prevent a Nisra at all? So rights told me that he asked Rav Shurmech when he was learning in the mirror, his roommate uh, had cigarettes, and, he, and it drove him crazy. He couldn't uh, breathe. It drove him crazy. So he wanted to know, can he keep stealing his roommate's cigarettes? So he said, you're not going to, Rav Shurmukh just said, you're not, not going to help anything. Your roommate's, it, your roommate's not going to smoke one less cigarette because you steal the cigarettes. So, uh, so he didn't think that you're allowed to, that you're allowed to destroy. Now, the, the, if, if you're not going to help anything. Now, that, that's about destroying. Is that the same as HaShavah Savedah? So yeah, maybe in uh, a you, you, you shouldn't destroy because you're not going to help. You shouldn't destroy the cigarettes, you're not going to help. But can you in good conscience give someone back his cigarettes? Here, there are 10 cigarettes left in this pack. Uh, if the statistics are right that each one takes five minutes off of your life, I am killing you 50 minutes earlier. Like, uh, can you do that? Can you, can you feel uh, comfortable doing something like that? So there, the Shulcharach the, the, the talks about this. If there's a davra mazik, something that's clearly damaging, that's a menace, are you do you do a Shavasaveda? Khosh Sam It's an interesting example. Ra There's a cat that's causing all sorts of damage. Be uh, very busy in Israel dealing with uh, this issue. You don't have to return it to its uh, rightful owner. Horgo Oro. You're allowed to kill it, and if you want to make a nice cat hat out of it, so you can uh, okay. No, no, at the risk of sounding like Dr. Seuss, you can you can go and and do that. Zokemba ba'oro. You now own that cat skin. Cause if you're interested if you're so interested. And the Sma points out, where is the Shulhara cat? This is a Kamara, Babakama, Def Tayam Base. She was learning Babakama next year, from what I understand. No, they didn't announce it. That's Rabbi Sachs told me. Uh, a little bit of a coming next year. so Yeah, now you know. So the uh, first parak, he said, he thinks we're learning. Okay. So anyway, so Asr uh, Lekaymo, the Gemara says, and Asr Lekaymo, it stands to reason that you can't, uh, that, that you, you're, you, if he's not allowed to have it, that you can get rid of it. So it seems like a pretty open and shut case, right? That uh, there's no Dinov HaShavos HaVeda. There's a safer for where he discusses um, things that, he, he discusses, you find a doll, that belong, you know, like a little girl's plaything, a doll can you return it, because it's a surah, it's a three-dimensional image of the human face, and you know, everyone knows that Luckily, you're supposed to cut the nose off to ruin the image, so that, you know so uh, so he says, no, but there is one tshuva, and, uh, and the Chach Masadim holds this way, that really since it's only a plaything, it's mutter so they'd have someone to be samechat strange. I think the minute home is like the Chachmas Adam. No, that everyone's so much. Who cuts the noses off the kids' dolls? I have a cousin who's uh, married to one of Rabbi Temler's daughters. And um, she said that growing up Rabbi Temler used to cut the nose off of all of her, <laughs> all of her dolls. She jokes that she didn't know that people had noses till she was an adult. Because all, all of her dolls didn't, didn't, have, uh, didn't have noses. So, but, but, but I think the accepted practice is not that way. So he says if there's someone that holds that its mutter, if there is someone that also, and they're following a sheet, they're all that it's mutter. So then you're allowed to be meishav that they're relying on that sheet. <coughs> ah, it's a public menace. So first of all, one could argue cigarettes are also a public menace, secondhand smoke. But uh, even without that, I, I don't think it has to be a public menace for that issue. Just the fact that its its sole utility is as a menace. Its sole utility is is, is as a mazik. So I was trying to think, who's going to give me like a different answer? Who's going to so as, as usual? But I'm looking for an outside the box, different kind of answer. I don't know where do I turn? I from Zilberstein. Yeah, So I sent Zilberstein a letter, and uh, he responded. And this, I sent him this over the summer. David Dalla Thomas Tavshenayin Hay. So he said, "You you 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 return it. Why? So he says, "There's a meshachachma. There's a meshachachma that discusses another gemara in Baba Kama, that seda aveda kasha, meaning, the Torah writes you have to return every aveda, and the Torah says chamor shor se. It identifies all the different things, and the Gemara discusses what the Torah is teaching us with each with each example of hashavas aveda. Chutz except for said, doesn't we don't know why the Torah specifies that We don't we don't know why does the Torah specify se. So the Mesh Chachma says I know. I'll tell you why the Torah specifies that. There's a big Kiddush in set. They're you us to do a Seved in a sheep. Because Megadol Behim, the of Eretz Yisrael is an Iser. You're not allowed to raise sheep in Eretz Yisrael. I have a cousin who raises sheep in Eretz Yisrael. I asked him. I didn't understand his answer. I asked him why it's mutter. He's got a big beard and all. He's a shepherd. First cousin is a shepherd. How many people can say that? So, uh, say so, yeah, so the the Megadal David Medaka in Eretz Yisrael, it's also the Megal David in Eretz So, how can you give back? He's violating this when he's the Megal David Medaka in Eretz Yisrael. How can you be Meishav Aveda? So that because Behemadaka uh, is going to go and he's going to steal other people's stuff, he's going to graze. In fact, my cousin was telling me that the iriyah, where, uh, where he raises his sheep, I have no idea where it is. It's just somewhere I don't visit because I'd have to lie in the customs form on the way back. Have you been in contact with livestock? <laughs> I just I don't visit him. So the, 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 <laughs> he said that the iriyah wanted to plant trees around the area and, um, or plants or something around the area where he br- brings his sheep through all the time. And he knew, that, and they knew that if they plant, he, his sheep are going to eat, and nothing's ever going to grow. They're just going to eat all the seeds. So they had a whole din Torah whether uh, whether, he, he, whether he, he's obligated to keep his sheep away, or uh, he has a chazaka ready that he takes them through that path. But that's why it's usir. It's got because the sheep eat from other people's things. It's because uh, they're going to they're going to steal. So you might think, says mesh Chachma, that there's no chiv of Meshvaveda says meshachachma that's the chiddush on the pasuk that even though it's a davar aser it's a mitzvah v'ashavas so says Reb zilberstein so apparently based on that meshachachma even though there's a, there's a davar aser you have to return it. Rabbi Rice pointed out to me that in Chasuke Chemer and Babakama this is like some Vakiyas from Ruzulvistin's Svarim. In Chasuke Chemer and Babakama Daf he quotes <laughs> that same Meshachachma and says, "I have no idea what that Meshachachma is talking about." Ruzulvistin says, "I don't understand that Meshachachma at all. How could he say such a thing that we're going to allow someone to take something that's Usr and give it back to him and allow him to and, and, and enable him to do the Isr? And over there, Rav Zilberstein writes, meaning, yeah, that maybe means you could return it only if you see to it that he doesn't do an iser with it. Make sure it gets shechted right away, or bring it to a place where you know that it's not going to be mazik or begged shotness. You're allowed to return it, but make sure you rip out the shotness first before you return it. That maybe that's what the meshachachma means. That's what he writes in Mubakam But in his letter to me, he didn't say anything like that. He just said, "Ah, it's enough in the meshachachma." So I, I don't understand. It, there's, there's also a halacha Shulchan that says he's not supposed to return a Davra mazik So he's being he's giving a tshuva to a shiluv based on the meshachachma. He's not even quoting the halacha in Shulchan Aruch. Very shver of art, no, It's so difficult. So he says, um, maybe the meshachachma in the tshuva to me, he writes that uh, that that the reason why it's muttered to return it is that you could be told that the Bailum is not going to do something asr with it. Maybe he's going to do something mutter with it. So therefore, so I, I thought, I was waiting for the punchline. Therefore, by cigarettes, where there's nothing mutter, you could do with it. Right? By the say, you could shecht it. So there's something, but by the cigarettes, there's nothing mutter to do with it, so therefore, it's going to be asr. That's what I thought. No. He says, that He that he could do something mutter with it. Gam beinyoneinu, if a guy only smokes one cigarette a day, it doesn't hurt him at all. Is that medically true? I have no idea. I would assume not. It certainly can't be healthy. It could be that he's only going to smoke one a day. He might also be running a business selling cigarettes to a guy. You <laughs> know a half a pack of cigarettes is <laughs> selling them what, individually? <laughs> He's running a business selling them individually to Guy? Him. He probably doesn't even know a guy. He's selling it to the custodians one by one? Does so this circle back to the game of where all the post can say it's up to smoke cigarettes? And other than say you can smoke up until XYZ, they say it's just offer It's not a question, though. No. Right. So Rav Zilberstein, I guess, is trying to say it, it, it's us. And also, what, yeah, you're right. And, and, and what does it mean? You smoke one a day. It's not like these things are addictive, right? I mean, <laughs> if, if, if you smoke one a day, I mean, there's no such thing as smoking one a day. It doesn't exist. It that, that doesn't happen because it's addictive. And when you, it, then the next time you're a little nervous, you're going to need it. And it's Very, very difficult for me to understand. So what about the Gemara Brachas? So I said, I, 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 when I wrote, wrote the child I said, the Gemara Brachas, Tafchav. That uh, you know to tear off the the that apparently you're even allowed to be mazik so very interesting he says das maran ha was shayachayv l'shalim al kach meikar adin that he, even if the girl was Jewish he was going to have to pay for it and that was the whole story that it was his Mesiris nefesh that he knew was going to cost him four hundred zuz. And uh, he just maybe went and made a cute choke with a girl afterwards. If it was a Bas Yisrael, it would have been a Muslim Shemuz. But, but the, the fact that he was going to have to pay the Tashulm of, of Dalame that was going to happen anyway. So at the end of the day, it, um, Rav Zilberstein's opinion notwithstanding, I would think that a person is not obligated to return a Dabar or a Dabar Asr, uh, no different than if he found. I wonder if, uh, you know, there were post <laughs> there, there were. Uh, on on, on the Jewish websites for a while there were a lot of stories about different uh, contemporary postcoms saying that if you find an iPhone you don't have to return it if you find a smartphone you don't have to return it I think if you're going to hold that if you find a smartphone you don't have to return it and if you find cigarettes that you shouldn't uh, shouldn't have to return it okay thank you